Thank you, Sai, and welcome to everybody who's joining us online. So good to uh, know that you are out there um, with us not having a gathering uh, in person. We're so grateful that we are able to actually have uh, a gathering online. And so um, put some comments out there just so I know that you're alive and that you're listening. I'll check it out a little bit later. Um, but uh, good to be sharing with you this morning. And I want to start out with a bit of a story, um, something that God reminded me of as I was preparing for, for this message. Now, I'm not a golfer by any means. I've only probably played about uh, four or five rounds of golf ever in my life. They were quite enjoyable, except uh, for the many balls that I lost. Um, but um, when I was uh, 17 years old, 1989, we went to the Nedbank Golf Challenge. A friend and myself, those days it was still called the Million Dollar Golf Challenge. And uh, we went to go and watch a South African golfer. His name was David Frost. And um, I don't know if this was normal or if this happens today, but uh, for whatever reason, we were able to not only watch um, him play his round of golf, we were actually uh, able to watch him practice before he went into his round. There weren't too many of us, so maybe we weren't supposed to be there, I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, my friend and I got to watch him practice, and he would go up to the practice tee with a club in his hand, hit a whole lot of balls, and then uh, after hitting a couple of balls, he would uh, make his way over to his coach. And his coach had been videoing him. And when he made his way over to his coach, they chatted a little bit. And then David went back to the tee, maybe changed his grip a little bit, his stance a little bit, his swing a little bit. Hit a whole lot of more balls. And then went on to the next club following the same procedure. So we got to see him practicing beforehand. Then we got to see him play his round of golf. And so it had been a long day already. I was anticipating after he was done, he's heading off to the showers, he's gonna go and relax. But the very first thing he did after he'd finished his round and uh, handed in his scores and everything was to return to his coach at the practice tee. Incidentally, he ended up winning that uh, million dollar challenge that year, which we were very uh, happy about. But why am I telling you the story? Well, there's some things that I noticed between David and his coach that I think speak so well into our relationship with Jesus. See, there was a closeness of relationship between him and his coach. There was a trust and a confidence. And his coach was able to bring correction into uh, his, his swing, and David was able to receive that correction. Why? Because there was a trust and a confident love relationship built between them, an understanding between them. Not only that, but the one thing uh, that I saw as well was there, there seemed to be this reality that David did not want to, uh, as best as he could, he did not want to disappoint his coach. I think there was a recognition that his, coaches had, his coach had made sacrifices as much as he had. And so when he went out onto the course, he was going out not just to represent himself, but to represent his coach. And so immediately after a game of golf, the first thing he does is to return to his coach. And as he returns to his coach, they celebrate some of the day's wins, and then they begin to work on some of the areas where he's gonna to have to improve for the next day. In essence, what was happening is he, he was recommitting to the coach's game plan. We're starting an Advent series today. That word Advent means coming. What the early church fathers would do when it came to December, instead of just seeing it as a time of rest and holiday, 
They also built into that time deliberate time to be with Jesus. In a sense, to return to their God, although they would have been doing that all across the year, but a very special time where they would return to him, celebrate all that he had done, but not just that, allow him to search their hearts so that they could be the followers of Jesus that he wanted them to be in the world, so that they could truly be uh, people who would reflect Jesus on earth. And so we're going to be looking at the minor prophet Amos uh, for this Advent series. And there's too much to go through the whole book uh, verse by verse. But it's going to be a little bit like the coach's video that I spoke about. It's going to help us to see where we can celebrate God, where some things maybe in our life needs to change, so that we can be a people who will bring him worship and reflect him in the earth. So my focus is going to be on chapter 1 to 3. As I said, I'm not going to read all of it. You can go away and uh, do that a little bit later. But some background to this book, Amos. Israel, uh, at this point in time, was a divided nation. It consisted of 10 tribes in the north, known as Israel, two tribes in the south, known as Judah. And uh, they were also, at this point in time, uh, experienced a lot, in, a lot of prosperity. Economically, they were flourishing. They were right in the center of some major trade routes. And so they were flourishing economically. Not only that, but there was no, um, there was no external countries or surrounding countries that were wanting to attack them. So it was a time of peace. And so they felt like they were prospering. But you know, their view of prosperity was very narrow, very self-focused. When uh, we consider God's view of prosperity, it's much broader. In fact, sometimes we think to ourselves, when we're doing well financially and when there's peace going on in our lives, God must be pleased with us. But actually, when you read the book of Amos, you see that that might not necessarily be the case. From God's viewpoint, society and Israel at this point in time was not prospering. It was becoming divided between the haves and the have-nots. The rich were becoming richer. The poor were becoming poorer. Morality was not prospering. Bribery and corruption were the order of the day, even within the judiciary. Extreme greed was leading to injustice. As people became more affluent, uh, permissiveness became uh, more the order of the day. They became sexually lax and gave themselves over to sexual immorality and alcohol consumption was increasing rapidly. In fact, they were fining people, and the fine was to receive alcohol. Spiritually, they were not prospering either. They were turning to the worship of foreign gods. Now, you might uh, look at that and think to yourself, that sounds just like the nations of the earth. You might think to yourself, that sounds just like South Africa, and you wouldn't be far wrong. But I want to say this that God addresses the sinfulness in the surrounding nations in chapter 1 and the first three uh, verses of chapter 2. And then all the way from there to the end of chapter 9, God addresses sinfulness in the hearts and in the lives of his own people. People he had loved, he had shown mercy to, provided for, rescued over and over again. And so I'm going to look at the book of uh, Amos under three headings today. 
as we reflect on uh, Jesus in this Advent time. First of all, reflect on God. Then we're going to reflect on God's accusations here in Amos. And then reflect on God's messenger. And the purpose really for this is so that our lives would be lives that would bring him worship in the earth. So let's look at reflecting on God. Amos 1 verse uh, 1 and 2. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake. When Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam son of Jehoash was king of Israel. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. Then to verse 11. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Edom, even for four, I will not relent. Because he pursued his brother with a sword and slaughtered the woman of the land. Because his anger raged continually and his fury flamed unchecked. I will send fire on Timon that will consume the fortresses of Basra. Just that far for now. You can see how dire the situation was in this nation that God is addressing. If I had read all of the accounts from the other nations, you would have been staggered at what was going on in their lives and even in the lives of God's people. And so as we reflect on just these few verses which echoes so much as what we see in the other verses as well. You see the same flavor, basically. The first thing that we need to reflect on when it comes to God is that God is holy. Listen to those words. The Lord roars from Zion, not to protect, but to bring judgment. He thunders. He says he will not relent. He will send fire. He will consume. If we'd read more, we would have read, he will crush. The swift will not be able to escape. The weak will not muster strength. An enemy will plunder you and overrun your land. What are we reading about God here is that he is holy. He sees sinfulness. He sees all sinfulness. He sees sinfulness in the hearts of people that don't yet know him. And he sees sinfulness in the hearts of people who call themselves followers of Jesus. One of the first things that God reveals to Moses about himself is that he is holy. Exodus 3 verse 5 says this, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. That's one of the first things he reveals about himself to Moses. But then one of the first things that he says to Moses to tell his people is that they are to be holy. Exodus 19 verse 6 says, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So God was looking for a royal priesthood and a holy nation. That's who his people were meant to be. See, anyone looking at Israel at this point in time would have uh, not, wouldn't have seen the image of God in them. Instead, they would have seen the image of their wicked neighbors. God wants his people to reflect him in the earth. He wants the nations of the earth to come to know his goodness through his people, through the lives that they're living in obedience to him. You see, he wants your life and my life to be marked by relationship, 
a relationship where we know God and where we make him known. <clears throat> Sorry. Just like the priests. And he wants our lifestyles to be marked by holiness. Holy simply means separated from sin, devoted to God. And that's a journey for every single one of us, yes. But our heart needs to be, I want to be separated from sin. I don't want sin to rule my life. I want to be devoted to God. God is still holy. He still hates sin. And he still judges sin. I wanted to say this. Duncan spoke two weeks ago, and can I encourage you to go and listen to his message? It was a life-changing message in what he shared about prayer and coming to God. And sometimes our prayer isn't um, uh, always filled with good things, with the outlook we don't think is that great, but we still focus our eyes on God. But in that uh, message, he touched on God's holiness. I wonder if God is not speaking to us as his people and saying, hey, guys, don't you want to just take some time and make sure that the life that you're living isn't actually looking like the life that everybody who doesn't know me lives? Why? Not because he's trying to be difficult, but because he's wanting people to truly come to know him, this God of love and mercy that so many of us have experienced. And so we see a lion roar of judgment, but that's not all that we see. This roar is accompanied by a God who is merciful and a God who is patient. Verse 11 says this, for three sins of Edom, even for four. It's a phrase that you read in every single uh, pronouncement that God makes against the eight nations in, in Amos. Even uh, the pronouncements that he makes against Israel and Judah, who are part of those eight nations. For three sins, even for four. Did you see God's uh, mercy and patience in that think about that for a moment this God who is holy who hates sin has the right to judge after one sin has been committed allows us as people to fill up our cups of sinfulness beyond one sin God was not hasty to judge them then he's not hasty to judge us today the face that he turns towards a sinful people is one of mercy. Someone once said this, they said that when God's wrath comes, it mercifully comes late and overdue. Isn't that so true? When we think about our lives, God was patient with us. Psalm 103 verse eight says it like this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this concerning uh, why Jesus is delaying returning again. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How good is God? Romans 2 verse 4 tells us that God is patient and kind. And that it's his patience and kindness that he is wanting to lead us to repentance. See, at the cross, God simultaneously shows us his holiness and shows us his mercy. Jesus chooses to receive God's wrath and punishment for your and my sin. And simultaneously, he chooses to show us God's mercy towards us. Jesus receiving God's wrath and punishment 
and giving us God's mercy. I wonder as you reflect on God today, do you see him as both? Or do you see him as a God who is just a holy God, just wanting to judge and punish? How do you see him? If you see him like that, God wants you to know today that he is a God of mercy and that he is the way of mercy. He's made a way for you and the way is Jesus. When we take our faith and our trust and we put it in Jesus, then we receive mercy. We receive his mercy. We receive Jesus and his help to help us to live a life of obedience to him. But you might not, just be a per, might not be a person who sees God only as holy, but you might see God just as mercy. You've asked him into your life, you're trying to follow him, but if truth be told, you're allowing sin to run right in your life. There's no difference between your life before Jesus and after Jesus, other than that you can say, I put my faith in him. Well, God is wanting you today to recognize that he's still a holy God. And he wants to help you to live in a holy way. That's why he's given us his spirit. So I want to encourage you today, if you're letting sin run right in your life, turn to his mercy, but recognize that he's holy. It's not okay for you to continue in that trajectory. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be God's best for you. You're not going to see your life accomplish all that God wants it to accomplish if you continue in that trajectory. Allow him to change it today. So we've looked and reflected on God who is holy and who is merciful and patient, but let's look at point number two. Let's reflect on God's accusations. And if I had to read through all of them, there would be a whole lot. What I've simply just done uh, today is try to give them some broad headings that can help us to understand, uh, understand them and uh, to apply some truths to our lives. first accusation that I see God making against his people is that they rejected the law of God. They were rejecting God's good way and choosing their own seemingly good way, but actually it wasn't a good way, it was a bad way. I want to ask you a question. Is modern thought on areas of sinfulness causing you to reject God's way and embrace either your own way or society's way when God actually still calls it sinfulness. God is lovingly drawing us back to him today and say, say, saying to us, what he always saw as sin, he still sees as sin. Don't go near it, devote yourself to me because I'm wanting to do something amazing in and through your life and sin hurts us. So they re rejected the law of God. But then another thing that I see, another accusation is they practiced injustice. They you, you read that they trampled on the heads of the poor and denied justice to the oppressed. James is going to share so much about uh, some of that um, next week, but I want to say this. God cares about how we treat people. Our God, when, when, when Israel was in Egypt, saw the injustice that they were facing, and he stepped into uh, that situation because of the mercy and the love that he had for them. God does not like injustice. He cares about how we treat people. I was at a memorial recently, and I read this, or well, they shared this uh, verse, 
and it kind of, uh, for me, just reveals a little bit of God's heart when it comes to, uh, to, to people. I'm just going to read parts of it. It's from Matthew 24, verse 34 to 40. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. Speaking to the saints. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And they asked him, when did you see us do any of this? And he said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's God's heart. Doesn't matter who the person is, where the person is. How do we treat people? And of course, you know what happens when you're preparing a message like this and you're having to speak about a point like that, right? I'm in the middle of this point. I'm focused. And there's somebody knocking on the gate. Can I just tell you, I haven't got this down. I'm not saying we have to give to every single person, but I'm saying that God, I think, wants our hearts to be more moved towards people than what they possibly are. You know what my excuse was? God, I'm in a zone. I can't go and see that guy right now. God's had to deal with even my heart as I've prepared this message. And I want to say to each one of us, let's uh, allow God to search our hearts. Next thing that I see is uh, greed. There was excessive greed. You want to know how bad it was? They were needy and poor people, and instead of taking from the economic wealth and prosperity that you were experiencing, you took those needy and poor people and sold them so that they could get more money. How terrible. How terrible. I wonder whether your life reflects the generosity of heaven. Jesus was so generous. God was so generous to us that he sent his son. His son now walks with us every single day. He provides for us. He schools us. He teaches us. He was so generous towards us. How are we towards people? Do we carry that same heart? Lord, may you help us to be a people at City Hope Church who would have a heart for those who come across our paths every single day. Does your life reflect the generosity of heaven in every single aspect, in the way you care, you care, the way you speak? Does it reflect itself in your budget? Does your budget just reflect uh, uh, stuff for yourself, or does it reflect that God is important and that pe people are important to you too? Next sin that he addresses is ingratitude, or what I will simply call lack of worship. God reminds him of all he has done, how he has fought for them, how he delivered them from, from Egypt, how he provided for them in the desert, how when they messed up again, he sent another deliverer, another prophet to make his way known. And yet what did his people do? They turned to the worship of foreign gods. They lost their heart of worship for the God who had always shown them goodness and kindness and turned to substitutes looking for that goodness and kindness and a joy in other things when it was God who had originally given them much joy and much to celebrate about. I wonder if you've forgotten 
God's mercy towards you today. I don't know what this last season has looked like for you, but I wanna encourage you to remember God's mercy so that you would not be an ungrateful person, but so that you would be a worshipful person. Somebody who worships Jesus with their whole life. I wanna ask you, are there areas of sinfulness this morning? Maybe some that I've just mentioned or others that you know are inconsistent with God's best for you. Things that if people were to look at it, they would say you look like the surrounding nations. You don't look like somebody who is part of the family of God. Then we've already seen that God is holy, but he's also merciful. And so we can turn to him in repentance today. Take a listen to God's desire for us. 1 Peter 1 verse 14 to 16 says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. For those of us who have put our belief and our trust in Jesus, he's calling us today to also be a people of obedience because obedience is to worship him. I'm gonna say that again. If we have put our belief in Jesus, we need to also be a people who are gonna be obedient to him because obedience is worship to him. Those were God's accusations. Let's look, look at point number three and reflect on God's messenger. Who was Amos? Well, Amos 1 verse 1 tells us this. He was a shepherd uh, in Tekoa. Amos 7 verse 14 and 15. Amos gives us a little bit of a description of himself when he speaks to Amaziah. And he says this, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel. God uses the seemingly insignificant in his mission. Yari is a shepherd, somebody who's looking after sycamore fig trees. And God calls him to go and prophesy to his people. I wonder when you think about Jesus and all that you desire from him, and there's many things that you and I desire. I wonder whether um, uh, being a part and being used in his mission is somewhere on our list. I hope it is high up on your list as it is on my list to be used by God. But I wonder if some of us disqualify ourselves because we feel like we are insignificant, we don't come from the right background, we don't have the right education, whatever it might be for you, but God is thundering out to the book of Amos that he uses the seemingly insignificant in his mission. He uses people like you and I. We're actually all insignificant ordinary people that God chooses to use to make his love for the world known. You might not know what your specific mission is, but God has given us enough intel for us to know that he, that, that he wants to use us and for us to know what the substance of that is. 
and what the essence of that is. I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it. What is it, God, when actually he's given us the fabric of it and, and he, he can begin to use that in our daily lives long before we get to that place where we were specifically doing uh, what he would uh, call us to do. Why do I know that? Because uh, it's the same for every single one of us. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. If we have put our faith in Jesus, then he wants to use us as a minister of reconciliation. What that really means is he wants to use us in a way that serves his purposes to reconcile people to God. What an awesome privilege you and I have. There's nothing great about us, but God would have us and has given us a ministry of reconciliation so that people can be reconciled to God. Friends, reconcile to Jesus. Colleagues, reconcile to Jesus. Family, reconcile to Jesus. And, and I really reckon God is wanting to use us in that process. He says so, yeah, but I feel like he wants us to have a renewed expectation that he wants to use us to be reconcilers of man to God. We know we play a small part. The major part is him working in people's hearts, but he uses us as mouthpieces. He uses us as instruments in his hand so that um, people can come to know his love and his mercy. doesn't matter who you are. Are you a helper in somebody's home? Maybe a gardener, banker, teacher, engineer, doctor, nurse. More importantly, are you someone who follows Jesus? If so, then he's given you something called the ministry of reconciliation and he's wanting to use you in his mission. And as you take time to reflect on the goodness of who Jesus is, at this time of the year, as you take time to reflect on the fact that he is both holy and he is merciful, won't you also reflect on the fact that God is wanting to use you as the end of 2021 draws near and as we anticipate 2022, I want to pray and ask you to allow God to work in your heart and to help you to see yourself as somebody that he calls a minister of reconciliation, somebody who will help people to be reconciled to Jesus. So wherever you are in your rooms, in your, in, in your lounges, I'm gonna ask you just to close your, close your eyes. God loves every single one of us this morning. He's shown it because he showed his perfect holiness and mercy on the cross by sending his son Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Jesus today, today's your opportunity. Maybe you've done Christmas for many years, heard about this baby that was born in Bethlehem. 
the saviour of the world who would die on a cross. You've heard the story, you've seen the mangers. You've heard people speak about him, but you've never received him. Maybe because you think what you've done is too terrible, God would never love you. All he wants to do is just judge you. While God is saying this morning, no, he's opened a way of mercy. He's, he, he's opened a way of grace and forgiveness. And that way is his son, Jesus. What do you need to do this morning? You need to believe in the work of Jesus on your behalf. Jesus came and he died. He was judged for your sin, for my sin, so that we would never be. But we get to choose who is going to take our punishment. Ourselves? Or will we allow Jesus to take it by saying, Lord, I don't understand completely who you are yet. I'm understanding a little bit more. But I see that you died for my sin. I'm asking you to forgive my sin. Then he takes the punishment instead of you. And then for those of us who know Jesus, I want to ask you, are you playing around with sin? Is it marring the perception that people would have of who God is? As they look at your life, are you a reflection of the God of heaven? Or you're just a reflection of what uh, people can see in any other person around about them? God wants you to reveal Him. We are His ambassadors. And for those of us that know Him, He wants us to take that more seriously to heart today. That we are His ambassadors, His representatives, the ones who will speak for Him and make Him known, the one who will uh, show the love of God to those around us, the hope of God to those around us, the ones who will, who, who, who will uh, lead people to Jesus so that they can be forgiven of their sin and come into a relationship with Him. Reconcilers. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I want to pray for those that don't yet know you and are today saying, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Lord, you know who they are. I want to pray, Lord, that today they would repent of their sin and uh, begin to obey you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help them to obey you. I pray that you would help them to know how loved they are by you. And then those uh, of us, Lord, who even already know your forgiveness and your love. Lord, just uh, like David, the golfer, didn't want to disappoint his coach, but wanted to reflect him well. Lord, we want to do the same. Lord, we know we're not going to get it perfectly right. But Lord, we, we want to be done with areas of sinfulness that don't speak anything of your goodness. And we want to devote ourselves to you today. And most of all, Lord, we want to devote ourselves to this aspect of what you've given us as your people, to be reconcilers of man to God. Won't you use us in the remaining days of this year and won't you use us in 2022 and beyond, Lord? Lord, may that be a mark of who we are as City Hope Church, a people who will make Jesus known and who will know Jesus. Lord, we ask for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. We're going to go into time of worship. So don't rush off. Let this uh, percolate in your heart. 
as we worship uh, Jesus.